welcome. And uh, we're at the beginning of a new series, The Patterns of Renewal. This morning, I get a chance to uh, teach on uh, what it looks like to develop the discipline of spending time in God's Word. And uh, it's something that I really enjoy. I don't know about you guys, but I enjoy being with God and uh, the discipline that it's taken over many years. Uh, some of you are uh, longer at doing this than I am, and, uh, which is awesome. You guys are an example to us. And some of you are kind of at the beginning of the journey, and you're wondering what it might be about. Hopefully today I can give you some encouragement on uh, the process that it may take to get to this area in your life that we call discipline. Uh, when I was studying this week, to be honest with you, a lot of what I came up with, there's all kinds of passages of Scripture about uh, what, how God wants to speak to us. And we were singing songs this morning out of Psalms, and Greg mentioned Psalm 51, where he invites us into this place. It, it, it's not surface level. It's, it's somewhere deeper into who we are. And that's where we're going to go a little bit this morning. Uh, most of us that are associated here with Outpost have heard that really our main core value, our first core value, is about uh, how we spend time in God's Word on a daily basis, devoting daily to God's Word. And uh, to go into that just a little bit more, it's not a legalistic thing at all. We don't want it to be a legalistic thing. It's not, it, it may take some discipline on your time or, or your part to carve out whatever time works for you to do that. But the reality is it's not just a time to check the box or to go to somebody and say, yeah, I read this week, I read today, whatever, and, and, and skim over the, the surface of that. It's also not really a time this morning, I don't believe, to say, hey, this is the best way to study God's Word on a daily basis. Like, uh, you know, maybe you're going to follow a certain uh, pattern that was given to you on a podcast. Or, uh, you know, maybe it's uh, the, the style that you use in Bible study and those kind of things. And there's all different kinds of things that you can find out there. Okay, you can go online, you can, you can Google it, you can do all kinds of things to follow certain ways to, to funnel you towards God's Word. And we can certainly help you with that, but the reality is, is it's everywhere. But we, we don't really need to sit there and say, hey, the best way to do it is to start in Genesis and read three chapters a day for X amount of months and you're going to finish the Bible and then start over. Now, you can do that if you want to, and that's fine, and that's a good thing to do, but the reality is, is... Why are we saying to dedicate ourselves to this? What is the discipline involved in it? Okay, and um, one of the things that I have noticed in my life, and really uh, I'm guilty of this too, is we have the availability of God's Word everywhere, right? I can go around my home, and there's Bibles on the bookshelves. There's, they're in my drawers. They're, some of them are used. Some of them are new. They're everywhere, we got our iPads and iPhones and, you know, it, it doesn't have to be I, anything. You know, you got your phone or your, your uh, availability to internet or computer, and, and we have Bible coming out our ears. It's everywhere. It's not like we have to go search for it that much. Uh, it, it's just right there available. And sometimes I think one of the, one of the issues that we face 
is that because it's so available, we begin to compromise. We're just like, yeah, it's here. I'm around it all the time. I'm around Christians. I have God's word. And, you know, I'm going to, I'll read the obligatory passages or whatever and then go about what's really important to my day. You guys feel that way at all? Like it's everywhere, okay? I was reminded a number of years ago, and I want to start out to, to lay the foundation here with a story. And the story was, uh, I had gone to Honduras in oh, mid-1990s, and there was a gentleman with me from Colorado Springs, and we were at the beginning of this big project that would take like 10 years. Okay, and we had finished up on some things. We had a, a couple days before we were flying home. And the church that we were working with in the capital city said, hey, we're going to go up and visit some of these churches that we're associated with way up in the mountains, and we're going to hand out Bibles. Would you like to go? And I'm just like, oh, yeah, absolutely. Let's go. So we jump in the back of this little Toyota pickup, and four hours later, we're in the middle of what I would call National Geographic country, literally. Jungles, there's, I mean, two track roads. We, we haven't seen another person in hours. And it was amazing, to be honest. And we get way up on top of this mountain, and here's this little village. And in this village, there's this little adobe building. There's a few little adobe just bricks that they made with, you know, adobe and water, basically, mud and water and straw, and they built this little building, and this is both a home and a church. And the doors come to about right here. They're very little, small people uh, of Mayan descent. But that was a, a church building there, and I'm just like, wow, God, like you have the gospel in the middle of nowhere. It's amazing. But we were there to hand out Bibles to pastors that were going to be there, and there wasn't really that many people around. But slowly, some people started coming out of the hills to this little church. And one guy in particular, I wish I knew his name, I, I, I don't remember, but he was just this little man, and he was a pastor. And he had walked eight hours that day with no shoes through the jungle to get a Bible. And when I handed him the Bible, he, he took it, and you would have thought I handed him the greatest treasure on earth. Like, he, he literally just held on to that, and he began weeping, and he fell on his knees, and he just held that Bible. And I thought, okay, God, that's, that's something that needs to get into me. Like, I, I want it to get into who I am. And this morning, when we're talking about this idea of the disciplines of the faith, really, to spend time with God in, in his word. Do we look at the word of God like that? Do we say, what a treasure we have? Like, unbelievable. I asked about his story, and here's his story. He had a third grade education, which was quite good for that area in the mountains. And uh, he uh, became a believer through some uh, missionaries that had been up in there many years ago. And he decided he wanted to start a church. And so he did. He started a church, and they have this little gathering eight hours by foot from where I am. And I think I'm remote. And, and I asked, you know, like, what's so special about this Bible? And I find out his story is 
the church had one page out of a Bible in the New Testament. That's how they taught their church. And I think, oh God, forgive me because I've just got stuff everywhere that I can study. It's, it's, it's everywhere. And yet this one little mountain church in the middle of nowhere had one page and they were so hungry for more. The, the call of God to us to spend time with him is not a legalistic thing at all. It's like, I have life. I am the giver of life. I want to speak to you in the deepest places of who you are to give you freedom. Now, when I walk up here this morning or you guys walk in here, you don't see me dragging a bunch of chains behind me, ball and chain, right? Like we've, we've gotten pretty good at hiding those things. Even this morning, we're singing songs about you break the chains. They don't usually happen on the surface level, do they? I mean, like the... the the, the area that we can see in other people's lives, the, the behavioral things, oftentimes that's not where the chains get broken. They get broken down into the depths of who we are. And then we begin to live out that freedom in a, a behavioral kind of way. The story of the Honduran pastor, I want it to be part of my story. I want to have that kind of feeling when I get the availability to hold God's word on my lap. I try to do it in the morning. That's my thing. Put on some coffee, sit there. I've raised my kids so I'm more filled with joy uh, than some other parents that have kids running all over everywhere. Uh, I can have a cup of coffee and a discussion with my wife, uh, mainly uninterrupted, and it's beautiful. Okay, that's the way we do it. That doesn't mean that is the way you do it. But I want to make sure that my posture before God is, I cannot believe that you want to speak to me through your word. Does that make sense to you guys? So one of the, one of the things that I came up with this week was as I studied, I, I want to be like a follower of Jesus. I think you guys do too. Like we want to be apprentices of Jesus. What did he do? What did he say? And then I want to live that out more and more. More so now than ever in my Christian life, I want to do that, okay? And I'm reading some of these things that, that he's trying to say about time with him, like time in God's word. And, and one, one thing that stood out to me was how often we get to where we do want to make it legalistic, don't we? Just give me a pattern, give me something to do, give me a rule, a regulation, and if I can do that well... I can beat my chest and say, me, 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 me. Or am I just talking about myself? I think humankind is like that. Okay? Listen to this out of Matthew 23, verses 23 through 27. Jesus gives us a picture of what it looks like if we think that studying the Bible will make us spiritual giants of the faith. He says, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, which was the scriptures at that time was the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. Now, Jesus here is confronting people 
that studied the Bible all day long. That's all they did. They studied it, they argued it, it became law and everything, but I mean, is this an indication to you that that's not what we're after here? We're not after you guys just, or myself, studying the Bible all day long just to sit there and make sure everybody else follows the law to the T. The more important part of that was underneath the surface in the heart issues. How many of us are more concerned with justice for those that are hurting or mercy towards those that need mercy or are we faithful to one another in our relationships or are we more concerned about what we can see in their behavioral issues? I think most of us are tempted or, or maybe taught or trained to a certain degree where we judge other people based on the things that we see. Would you agree with that? I mean, most of us do. As a matter of fact, we live in a world uh, where a lot of times that is the case. You're judged on your behaviors or your actions or how you perform. Okay, but in God's law and in his way, there's something different going on here. He's like, hey, the, you're, you can do everything you want to try to change your behavior. Everything you want to change your behavior. But if your beliefs are wrong, it's only going to be temporary. Have you guys found that true in your own life? Like, I want to change something. I want to do something. And you might make a behavioral change for a little while. But if down deep inside of you, you think, oh, you know what? This isn't really going to work. I'm not going to stick with it. Whatever. Your belief is going to dictate the things that are above you, which is emotions, thoughts, feelings, and eventually your behavior is going to follow what your, what your belief is. If you could put that screen up on there that Greg had last week, that would be great. You guys remember this, uh, this screen, this slide that Greg used last week, and really that's what I'm talking about here. Jesus is trying to say, hey, wait a minute. You guys follow the law, you read the Bible all the time, you study everything, and where I want to go is way down into the Spirit. I'm going to take you down into the Spirit, because I know that if your spirit doesn't change, you're going to try to do all these other things out onto the, the peripheral to try to make people think that you're great, right? That's what we do. Okay, we're, we're trying to get away from that. He goes on to call these same people, you blind guides. Okay, uh, Jesus is sweet and nice, typically. Okay, but the reality is this, is that it, when we uh, are around other people in relationship and we're teaching them or training them or challenging them or whatever it is, is it out of, I want you to change your behavior, or is it out of, let's go down into the heart issue and find out what's going on? And to be honest with you, that's what we're trying to do here more than anything. As we're funneling people into community groups and all those other kinds of things, yeah, we want you to get to know each other. And if you see something, a, a behavioral thing that needs to be addressed, then address those behavioral things. But know that our goal is not just behavior modification. It is not. Okay, most of us uh, that are a little bit older anyway, grew up in... Uh, areas where behavior modification was kind of the whole thing. Pr try to prove that you're right, try to prove that you're good, all those kinds of things. And, but down inside of you, in the heart of the matter, it could be really ugly. It could be terrible. 
And you might just be dying inside because you want somebody to walk that journey with you and, and the people around you can't do it because they're all behavioral. Okay, so go to the next slide if you would for me, please. So Greg introduces this idea that there's this throne really on a heart. And either God's going to be on that throne or you're going to be on the throne. And he talked about that a little bit last week, and we're going to get there with some, some other scripture here. But the reality is this. We need each other. You need me, and I need you, and community group, and all those kind of things to keep pushing you. You keep pushing me to go down into the heart, the heart area. That's where Jesus is going to talk to us. The discipline of being with God and in his word, it's got to take you there. This is not a check the box. This is not how many times a week. This is, did you experience God? I don't want to just sit there in the morning and read my Bible and say, okay, I got that done. Let's go. I want to experience God. Is there a difference? I think there's a big difference. I really do. And, and I'm going to challenge you to go in that direction. Some of you might be uh, aware of, I've got it right here. Some of you parents might want to come up and check this out afterwards, but it's called You Are Special by Max Lucado. You guys know about this little, um, this little book. It's a, they've made it into a little children's film, too, that you can watch. But the book's fantastic, and it, it kind of sums up where we're at here in the sense that... Um, there was this wood carver, and he carved all these uh, wooden boys and girls and men and women. They lived down the hill from the wood carver. And the carver, uh, you know, kind of oversaw the village, but he was in his shop uh, above the village. And the, one of the main characters of the story, his name's Punchinello. Punchinello's a little boy. And everybody in the village there carried around two boxes. One was filled with gold stars and the other one was filled with gray dots. And if you did good to the people of the village, they would come up and put a gray star on you. I mean, a gold star on you. And if you did bad, then they would put a gray dot on you. And that's all they did all day long, every day. So if you jumped high and you, you sang good and you looked good and all those kind of things, you had all these gold stars on you. But if you didn't do very good and you... you couldn't perform well and you always made mistakes, you would get the gray dots, okay? And if you're looking at the story from outside, you're just like, oh, yeah, well, I'd rather have gold stars than gray dots, right? And we work super hard to get the gold stars, whether we want to admit it or not, okay? The reality of it is that Punchinello, he wanted a gold star so bad, he tried to perform so hard, and he just couldn't do what was right. And so he always got more gray dots. And the people in the village, or the wooden figures in the village, would say, oh, you're not going to mount anything, you just need more dots. And you've got so many gray dots, you deserve more, and I'm going to give you more. And the people who were good were saying, look at all my gold stars, I deserve more gold stars. That sounds kind of like us, doesn't it? Really, down at the, the level. One day, Punchinello runs into this young, younger girl figure, uh, wood carved as well, and uh, 
She didn't have any dots or stars, none at all. And he was quite interested in that. And he's like, well, how come you don't have any gold stars or, or gray dots? And she said, well, because I go to the woodcarver every day. And he's like, what? That's it? You go to the woodcarver? And she said, yes, I just go to the woodcarver every day. And, he, and then she runs off. So he started to think, well, maybe I should go to the woodcarver too. And he builds up the courage and he goes up the hill to the woodcarver shop. And inside the shop there's, you know, things to carve and cut and kind of a scary place. And he's getting ready to leave like, I shouldn't be here. And the woodcarver calls his name, Punchinello. I've been waiting for you to come. And he goes and picks him up and puts him on his, his bench. And he's like, wow, you got, you got some marks there. And Punchinella immediately goes into making excuses. Like, I tried, I really did, I'm, I'm, I'm doing everything I can. And the woodcarver's like, you don't have to explain anything to me. I made you, and you're special. And the more you believe what I tell you, the dots and the gold stars are not going to stick. Think about that for a minute. One of the things that I believe after all my years of walking with Jesus is this. We are more scared of God's favor than we are of going before him in fear. Think about that for a minute. Sometimes we think, if I go in front of Jesus, oh my gosh, he's going to send me to Africa to live in a grass hut. And I'm scared. And what about all my sin and my issues? What about my gray dots? Okay, what if, what if God was saying, hey, listen, your gray dots don't matter to me. What matters to me is that you believe what I tell you. And that's where we want to go in this discipline, right? We want to sit with God. Yes, we want to study his word. We want to meditate on it and all the other things that we're going to talk about in the weeks ahead. But the main thing is this that he speaks to you directly about he, how he feels about you. Me? Like with all my inadequacies and all my failures and all my scars and the chains that I'm dragging around and my false beliefs and all these other kind of things, yes, that's where he wants to go. And the freedom that you will get in this is going to change your attitude. One of the things that I've been reading, John Eldridge's book recently, and in it was a, a quote that I found super interesting. It basically said this, we as believers are more afraid of God's favor in our lives than we are to just stay where we're at. So if I ask you right now where you're at, where are you at as far as this intimacy with Jesus and being a Christ follower? Like, like, take a good assessment of where you're at. I'm not doing that as a guilt thing. I'm just saying you got to know where you're at before you know where you're going. And, and what does, needs to change in the next year or five years or ten years to get you closer to the place that you want to go? Again, you're saved. If, if you've accepted Jesus, you're saved right now. It, you're, you're eternally there. But what about breaking all those chains and going into those places of your heart to where out of you in your behavioral things is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We can read the Bible all day long just like the scribes and Pharisees and not have any of those characteristics 
of the Holy Spirit. Did you hear me? It's not, that's not what we're trying to push. We're trying to push intimacy with Jesus. That when you sit there, I don't know about you guys, and maybe Greg's going to talk about this in the weeks ahead, but when I sit with God, I, I ask him, I invite him into those places and say, God, this isn't about me learning more. This isn't about those kind of things. Those are fine and good. It's more, I want to hear you speak to me. If he speaks to me about a certain thing, my life is different. I can gather tons of information and not be any different other than I feel smarter. Psalm 51.6 that Greg read this morning. A beautiful passage, and if, if we just broke it down, paraphrased it, it's basically an invitation. It's this invitation by God to say, I want you to come into this place. It delights me for you to come into this place. Isn't that awesome? Like we can delight God. that it, it, We cause his heart to feel delight when we go to be with him and he is able to speak into those deep places of our lives. At community group this week, Greg was talking about a little bit like Carlsbad Caverns, I think, right? Isn't that the place? And, you know, they, they went down into the caverns, and the deeper you go, I mean, it's total black. It's pitch black without any light. But there's these little offshoots, and there's these other little channels down in the, the cavern, and, it, you know, there's all these little places. It's like our heart. Like, God, go into that cavern over there and, and speak to me out of your delight the changes that you would have for me. And I'm not going to do that on my own. You need to reveal that to me. Maybe you guys are uh, at a different level spiritually than I am, but more information doesn't change me. Does more information change you? Like you could start today and read through the whole Bible and say, I read through the whole Bible. That's fantastic. And it is really cool, but it's just a bunch of information unless God reveals something to you. We need the revelation of God in our lives. Now listen, one of the things, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but what's going on in the world right now, we need revelation from God in our lives to know how to respond to the people around us, to, to know how to, to communicate with each other. Do we have the answers to the world or we just sit back and say, well, whatever's going to happen is going to happen? I think we have answers. I think, I know God has answers. Me by myself, I don't have all the answers. Did you get the, did you get the other model that I sent you or the other slide that's called the iceberg model? Isn't that awesome? That's an iceberg, you guys. Okay. Many years ago, my wife and I were going through a, a marital struggle, and we needed to go to counseling, and we went to counseling down in Colorado, okay? And this is just a different view a little bit of what Greg put up last week. The reality is this, is on the bottom, you're going to see beliefs, and then above that, thoughts, behavior, or emotions, and behaviors is kind of what I was talking about before. And you can, you can uh, think about your own life and say, okay, what are my beliefs down here that might not be right? What, what are my false beliefs? I'm supposed to stand in one spot, sorry. 
Let me give you an example. My whole world's been turned upside down in the last 15 years. We call them paradigm shifts a little bit. But the reality is this. I was confronted about certain beliefs that I had in my life that I totally believed to be true. But all of my thoughts, feelings, and emotions followed what my belief was, and my behaviors might be different than what I said I believed in. Let me give you an example. Let's say you were raised in a home, and they believe that there's no such thing as gravity. They really believe it. Like, that's what they teach, the people around you, aunts, uncles, cousins, everybody that's speaking into you, they, they don't believe in gravity. And uh, you go on a field trip one time with a bunch of some other kids or whatever, and they, they come to this cliff, and they're just like, whoa, whoa, stop, stop. And, and you're like, what? Like, there's no problem. I mean, we can just walk right off the edge of this because, you know, there's no, there's gravity. If you fall down that, uh, you know, if you go off, you're going to go down and get hurt or killed. What? That's crazy. No way. And we can believe that as much as we want, right? We could believe there's no such thing as gravity as much as we want. But the reality is, is if we tried to live that out in behaviors, it wouldn't work out so well for us. It's the same thing on the spiritual level. You might have beliefs that you have way down in the heart area, and all your thoughts, feelings, and emotions may portray what you believe down in the depths of who you are, and it's going to come out in your behaviors. And I don't know about you guys, I've been around some believers that think certain things and they're like, no, this is totally true. And you're like, okay, that's a little bit wacky. People have said that about me, so I'm just speaking about myself, I suppose. Okay, but the reason, the reason I put this up here is to not go into you know, deep psychology or anything. The main thing is, is this is, this is the model come out of scripture basically saying that's where God wants to go is down into the beliefs, okay? Because we all have all these beliefs. A lot of them are false. Like if I told you right now as a group that without any reservation at all, God totally loves you, what would you say? If we had time to discuss it in a small group setting, my guess is it would be revealing we might believe it up here intellectually and even say that that's what we believe, but the reality is, is down in our hearts, we don't really believe it. We may say, oh, for everybody else, yeah, he loves everybody else, but me, no way. So the discipline that we're talking about here is going and sitting with God and listening to what he has to say about you, over you, and in you. That's more important than saying, okay, we're going to, you know, go through this process of reading. And it, like a lot of people in our community group right now, they've got these, you know, they got these apps or Bibles or whatever, and it's chronological, and they're reading big chunks, and it's taking them all over the place, and they love it. It's awesome. And that's great. And you can do that. But I want you to experience God while you're doing that, not just get more information. Psalm 119.11 we got that to put up there? I've stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Where are they storing that up at? In their minds? We can teach people to store things in their minds, and there's nothing wrong with those kind of things, but if it doesn't get into your heart, 
does it really have an impact on your sinful behavior? I'm just asking the question. Luke 6.45. The good person, and really the meaning of this is holy or righteous, not based on their own works, but on God. Out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person, out of his evil treasure, produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Isn't that a picture of the iceberg model right there? depending upon what we got down inside of us. And I don't know about you guys, but the goal of this discipline is not to look more holy. The, the goal of this, per, or this uh, discipline is that really what comes out of us in our behavior is so attractive to people around us. They're like, what is going on with you? Like you got all this stuff going on in your life and you still have joy and peace. Like what's happening? Is it possible to do that without a heart change? Without Jesus speaking into those places and giving us truth about who we are and what's going on in our life? I think it's pretty difficult. We might be able to do it for a while, but not very long. If some of you in here this morning, and I'm sure there are, is having a hard time with certain things in your life, I don't pretty sure probably everybody would say that there are some things. But what is your heart doing with all that information or what's going on with you? Well, what's the action that comes out of that? If it's like, yeah, just I'm more angry now, I'm struggling more, you know, whatever it might be, then, then we need to go in there as a community group, as other people, and say, let's go into the heart issue here. Because, yeah, the external things that are weighing on you, those are super difficult. I mean, they're brutal, some of the things. But if we can get into that heart place and invite Jesus into that heart place, you think it's going to stay that way if your belief changes? I say no. Because your thoughts, feelings, and emotions are always going to follow what you believe. They're always going to follow what you believe. So I asked myself this question this week. Do I really believe that by spending time with Jesus, I'm going to behave differently, like it's going to change something in me? Because that's really what we're talking about this morning, right? I can say all this stuff, I can teach all this stuff, but if I don't really believe it, it's not applicable to me, what's the point? And my, my uh, you know, there, there's a saying, you always do what is important to you. You might say, I don't really like the golf that much. Not at all. But if somebody looked at my checkbook and I had like $5,000 worth of expenses to golfing and my wife is like, no, you're gone all the time golfing. There's a reality to it. Hey, I, I'm not looking at you specifically, Matt, whatever. All right. But the reality is, is we always find time and usually resources to do the things that are important to us. So I asked this question to myself. If, if I invited you guys into my world and you lived with me for a week, what would you see? Think about that for a minute. If I'm sitting here saying, hey, wait a minute, 
God wants us to spend time with him in this place of intimacy to change who we are in the inmost beings, inmost part of our being, and, and yet you come over to my house and you see none of that in me. First of all, you need to call me out. Second of all, you would just say, there's something wrong. I mean, like, what are you doing? I believe this so strongly and I want you guys to believe this so strongly that every morning when I get out of bed, that's the first thing I want to do. Now, do I do it every morning the first thing? No. Sometimes I have other things early in the morning that I have to go to, but I miss that time. You guys know what I'm talking about? The, the time with Jesus where you're just like, oh man, yeah, I got all these other things going on and I want to do them to excellence, but that is the most excellent does that make sense to you guys? Like, what is the most excellent to you? The, the discipline of being in God's word is not just an exercise. It is a heart posture. One of my favorite things is Jenny and I sitting there in the morning, and she, she's going through her own thing, and she says, hey, wait a minute, you got to listen to this. And she shares with me what God is speaking to her right then. It's like, yes, that's awesome. And there's times where I, I start talking and she'll say yes for a while and then she kind of tunes me out, okay? That's fine. Uh, but the reality is this, is like that's where we want to be. No, I'm not patting us on the back. It's taken a long time to get there. The reality is that's what we want. We want to sit there and say, hey, wait a minute. I'm so excited about what God's telling me right here down in the depths of who I am that I've got to share it with somebody else. It's not just a private thing. It's, a, it's an extremely public thing. It happens in the private, and it becomes public. What would happen in Outpost Church, or what about Cody, Wyoming, if we had a group of people that were heart-postured before Jesus with their Bibles open, like, I can't believe I have the Word of God right here, and he wants to speak into the deep places of who I am to change who I am, I've got to go tell my coworkers. I've got to tell the people in my world of influence. What's going to happen? Some people are going to say, you're kooky. Like what? And other people are going to be like so drawn to what you have. Listen to me, you guys. In this day that we're in, it, it is so important. Don't miss this. In the last days there is going to be a spirit of delusion pulled out, poured out on man. Now, we can have an argument whether we're in the last days or not, and I would love to do that with you. But the reality is this. People are losing their minds. It's happening. More and more. Like, you go back 10 or 15 years, what's going on? Like, is there a difference? If, if we don't believe that there's a difference for doing this, we're not going to do it. We will go right along with the flow of the culture and we'll say, yep, I, I said my prayer and I got saved, but culturally, whatever. I got my fire insurance, I'm going to go to heaven. And culturally, we might be moving in a certain direction where we can be challenged in how we deal things with things. What if God speaks truth into you every single day? How's that going to have an impact on how you handle the culture around you? It is an either or. 
It is an either-or. You can't just say, well, I love Jesus, and whatever happens in the culture is whatever. That's not what he calls you to do. He calls you to believe what he says about you, and if you do that, you're going to tell other people. Why? Because you don't want them to perish. That's God's heart. He's going to reveal to you his heart. There's this one piece that I want to read to you before we close. And are we okay on time? I think we're good. I know that this is what Greg wants to say at some point, so I'm going to beat him to it. It's by Richard Foster out of the book Celebration of Discipline. He shares this insight. Superficiality is the curse of our age. The doctrine of instant satisfaction is a primary spiritual problem. The desperate need today is not for a greater number of intelligent people or gifted people or people that find themselves good. Rather, we need people desperately who are deep people. How can we be deep if we live on the superficial? Maybe the better question is this, how can we be deep people without calling God into that deep area? Sometimes we don't even know what's in there. He says the classical disciplines of the spiritual life cause us to move beyond the surface, but can't stay at the surface. If we're going to become what God wants us to become, we can't stay at the surface. We have to allow him down into the deep places of our lives. He goes on to say, we must must not be led to believe that the disciplines are only for the spiritual giants and hence beyond the reach of us. Maybe they're for contemplatives who devote all their time to prayer and meditation. It's not for them only. Far from it. And this is the the gist of what I'm saying this morning. God intends the disciplines of the spiritual life, which is what we're talking about over the next several weeks, to be for ordinary human beings. People who have jobs, who care for children, who wash dishes and mow yards. In fact, the disciplines are best exercised in the midst of those very relationships. So hopefully this morning what you heard was this maybe a different angle to the discipline of spending time reading God's word or spending time with Jesus, becoming an authentic follower of him. We can do all the stuff surface level or above and we can look really good and still be miserable. Or we can allow him to go into the depths of who we are to transform our beliefs from within. And that takes this place of discipline. So this week, my heart would be that as you grab your Bible, you grab it like that pastor in the remote area of Honduras, and you're just in awe that you have the Word of God in your hands. And as you sit, regardless of your study method or where you're at, 
that you invite Jesus into that place and say, would you speak to me? I know it gives you delight to speak to me in the depths of who I am. Would you begin to do that? And incorporate that into your, your daily discipline of studying God's Word. It's going to have an impact on you, I know that, but also on the relationships around you, your community groups, this body of believer in the town of Cody. That's the way God wants to do it. Let's pray together. Uh, Father, thank you that you loved us enough to, uh, through your Spirit, give men and women the desire to write on paper for us who you are in your heart for us. God, that even after thousands of years, we can hold this book in our hands and it's got truth in it. The world tells us uh, there isn't really any truth. Truth is kind of what you make truth. But you say that you're the way, the truth, and the life. God, we want to know you. We want to be an apprentice of you. We want to watch you, and we want to hear you speak, and then we want to do the things that you do. So God, I invite you in to our midst. I invite you into the places that we sit to be with you. And God, would you speak to us? Would you just speak your truth over us? God, your great love for us, your desire to break change, your, your hope that you'll bring freedom to our lives because it's going to impact other people around it for your glory. God, this is a generational thing. This isn't just a selfish thing. Change us so that our kids are changed, our, our marriages are changed, our neighbors are changed. God, we give it to you. And thank you for speaking to us. In Jesus' name, amen.